0: This is AWLS, podcasts on wilderness medicine from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingabretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. We're going to talk about our feet today. Normally, we let uh, the very bright podiatrist manage foot problems, but what's going to happen is you're going to be in the back country. And you're going to find yourself or someone that you're hiking with having a problem with their feet. And as a consequence, you're going to have to address it. Foot problems that happen in the backcountry may be small, but they can become a much, much bigger problem uh, over time. And depending upon how long the foot problem lasts, it can have a huge impact on a person's ability to continue their backcountry experience, whatever it is, from biking, climbing, hiking, trekking. Even uh, tiny problems can end a a trek or a backpack or even a hike. From a medical perspective, it's extremely challenging to assess foot problems because of the complexity and the multiplicity of joints within the foot. There are 28 bones in each foot. So if you take into account both feet, then one-fourth of all our bones are in our feet. And because there are a lot of bones down there, there's going to be a lot of joints. There are over 30 joints in each foot, 100 muscles, ligaments, and tendons. These make the foot extremely f- flexible so that they can adapt to the uneven surfaces, but it, be, but it becomes complicated when there's an injury. Feet are divided into threes, the, f- the forefoot, the midfoot, and the hindfoot. The very front part of the foot, including the toes or the phalanges, is the forefoot. The first metatarsal bone is the shortest and thickest, and it plays the, the essential role during propulsion. It is a common bone to injury in the backcountry, and that's the big toe. Uh, the toe function, the toes really to grip, clamping the feet to the walking surface. They give the final propulsion as the foot completes the step, shifting the weight to the other foot. Although the big toe carries part of the body weight with each step, no weight rests on the big toe as the body stands. The toe's gripping tendency helps to maintain balance. As well as aiding in propulsion, the midfooter—you can just imagine this—is the five irregularly shaped bones called the tarsals. The clinical names for these bones—the ones that are important—are the navicular, cuboid, the medial, medial intermet, and the lateral cuneiforms. Together, these form the arch of the foot, and the arch of the foot plays a key role in weight-bearing and stability. The hindfoot uh, are the two largest bones, and that's the talus and the calcaneus. The largest of these, the calcaneus, forms the heel of the foot. The talus, the talus rests on the top of the calcaneus and forms the part you know where the the ankle actually pivots. Key in the foot are the arches. The foot has three arches. And the next time you look at your foot or someone else's, identify these. There is the uh, the two big longitudinal arches, one on the medial aspect and one on the lateral. And then there's the one uh, anterior transverse arch. The arches really act like springs. They aid in propulsion and they store energy. This is really important because it allows humans to propel themselves forward for a very long time. Uh, Among other things that help us, the arches, by storing energy, uh, humans have become the great uh, endurance athletes. The arch's shape is designed in a similar fashion to a spring, and it it bears the weight of the body and absorbs you know, the shock that is uh, produced with locomotion. The foot's flexibility can, you know, that is given by the arches is what facilitates everyday locomotor functions, such as walking and sprinting. Uh, the energy-sparing uh, spring properties of the foot's arches are central to the foot's mechanical function. It stores a lot of meta- metabolic energy, uh, which is due to the passive elastic work That is supplied that would otherwise be done by the active muscles. The muscles that control the movements of the foot originate in the lower leg and are attached to the bones in the foot with the tendons. The muscles and tendons are the sites for a lot of overuse syndromes and uh, most people who've hiked or run a lot feel those. The most important tendon of the foot is the Achilles tendon which runs from the calf muscle to the heel. It's really one of the strongest and largest tendon structures in the body. The Achilles tendon makes it possible to run, jump, hike, stand on toes. The clinically significant ligaments of the foot are are the plantar fascia, which is really a common problem in walking too much and when it gets inflamed, giving us plantar fasciitis. The best way to uh, protect your feet uh, is uh, with good shoes and good arch support. Uh, in fact, this becomes an essential issue in backcountry medicine, especially with hikers and trekkers, because they typically carry an additional load on their back, anywhere from 15 to 30 pounds. A person with a low longitudinal arch, or some that we often say has flat feet, often stands and walks with their feet in pronated position. Uh, this is where the foot everts. This makes the person very susceptible to heel pain, arch pain, and additional plantar fasciitis which is so common in, in this. So making sure the arches are well supported is really essential. With high arches, there is a less, there's less surface area for the absorbing impact. This places a lot of excessive pressure on the back part of the foot and the forefront areas. This can make a person susceptible to things like heel pain, metatarsalgia, and again, plantar fasciitis. So having the proper arch support becomes extremely vital in making a backcountry trip successful, especially if you're carrying additional weight on your back um, if the truth is most shoes have useless inserts rather than arch supports and when you buy a new shoe you got to pull the insert out and just see if it's just a little piece of rubber or if it's actually an arch support in the end these need to be removed removed and arch supports need to be you know put inside if people really need new shoes but can't afford them go buy some arch supports they're much less expensive and they'll offer significant help. But you need to have good art support. And uh, But some shoes come with good art support, and you might feel more comfortable with them. But the vast majority of shoes just put an insert in there that's rather useless. So if you're going on a long trek, at the very least, you got to put art support in. Uh, a couple of years ago, a 38-year-old lady uh, came to me that was preparing to run the Boston, Boston Marathon. That was on a Monday Uh, She had been running a lot of miles each day, and she had developed uh, a very severe uh, impact arthritis in both of her knees. They were swollen and uh, very tender to touch, and she could hardly walk, much less run. So uh, I said, well, let me look at uh, her feet, and she had uh, really bad uh, feet there. She had really flat arches, and I said, let me look at your running shoes if you have them. She goes out to the car, brings the running shoes in, and uh, heavens, they were over five years old, and they had absolutely no support. Uh, they were basically just like putting rubber on her feet with nothing, nothing to protect the foot. So we sent her out to a running store, and she bought some new shoes that Monday afternoon. And they put her on a treadmill, which allowed them to see um, uh, you know, how much she, when she runs, if she's pronating or supinating too much. Because every time you run, you go from supination to pronation and back to supination. And, uh, and if you overcorrect on that, uh, shoes can help correct that. So, uh, interesting, she bought the new shoes and uh, her her symptoms so quickly resolved that on Sunday she actually ran the Boston Marathon, where Monday when we saw her, she couldn't run at all. So, this was a really significant achievement. So, there's probably really nothing more important than foot care than having the proper shoes that fit and making sure that they are correct when they put, put them on their feet. Uh, and the other thing, shoes are uh, definitely activity-specific. When it comes to exercising and sports, Gym sneakers are not a uh, you know a one size fit all solution. There is a lot of technology that goes into the design of shoes. Each activity has specific qualities necessary for correct footwear. Running and walking shoes are made you know for straight forward ahead motion. While basketball and tennis shoes are made for side to side movements. Hiking shoes are designed with stiff bottoms that that allows a hiker to grab onto rocks and move forward. Climbing shoes are made to point and give strength to the toes. So if someone doesn't use the, the right shoe for their a particular outdoor uh, uh, activity uh, and doesn't get the right support, what happens is knee uh, problems, hip and back pain uh, come out of that. And once you correct your shoes, a lot of that will, if not all of it, will go away. So when shoes are old and worn out, they will tilt your feet forcing you to strike the ground in an awkward way and even the slightest angle can hurt your foot and cause back and hip pain. So there's a lot of rules to follow and there's a lot of data, but in the end, you should replace your sh- shoes that you wear every six months at the most if you wear them regularly. For other shoes, keep an eye on the soles and replace or we sold them once you notice that support is getting low and, re- and replace the arch support if you start to develop problems. And if you follow that, you're, you'll be much better when you backpack, hike, run, or uh, climb. Mm-hmm. So it becomes just essential uh, to wear proper shoes. And while it may seem counterintuitive, you don't want your shoes to be uh, tight or press too hard on your feet. In doing so, they will increase the force on your skin, increasing the chance uh, of a blister. So here's kind of two rules to follow. There's, you can look at a lot of sources, but these are pretty good. Uh, if, to check the proper fit around your heel, you should be able to place your index finger between your shoe and your foot. It should be tight, but it should be able to go in. Um, if your finger cannot fit, the shoes are too tight. If your finger has too much room and wiggles around, the shoes are too large. But you should be able to stick your index finger between your foot and the heel. Stand up with your shoes on and make sure that you have a half inch, which is about the width of your finger, between your longest toe and the front of the shoe. Your shoes need your toes need to really wiggle around in the front of your foot and that way you don't get blisters, calluses, or, don't, or damaged toenails. And you also want to lace your boots properly. I can't do this on a podcast, but I can tell you there are a lot of places you look online Uh, for the correct way to lace your shoes, and for different activities, too. So before you go on a trek backpacking and you're in charge of the group or you have family or friends that are going, it it makes sense to learn how to uh, tie your shoes to the activity that you're doing. Huge problem is people who don't clip their toenails. From a medical perspective, it's critical to clip them before you go on any hike or any activity. If they're too long, your boots or shoes will push into the nails. The nails will be traumatized and blood will form under them, causing some hematoma. The nails will then lift from the beds. This is painful and might quickly end your trek. And if it doesn't end your trek, they're gonna, the, this will be painful for some time and ultimately the toes will fall off. So make sure that you and the people in your group trim your toenails any time you do an outdoor activity. And then you've got to wear the right socks. You know, there is no definitive shadow that wearing two socks is better than wearing just uh, one sock. Uh, you know, when you trek or hike, it really comes down to personal preference. A lot of studies have been done on it, whether you wear one or two. But what is clear, having the appropriate sock to protect your feet. If you choose to have two socks, the first sock absolutely needs to be thin, uh, tight, and moisture-wicking, like a synthetic sock. Its purpose is to really to reduce the friction by t- uh, it's being tied on your foot and, re- and reduce moisture by wicking it away from your f- foot uh, into the second sock, which is the outer sock. The purpose of the second sock is to reduce friction by serving as a cushion between your foot and the boot or your shoe, and to reduce moisture, absorbing it with a you know from the first sock. You do not want water next to your skin. Uh, hiking socks are, are rarely made from a single fabric. Honestly, rather uh, socks are made from a blend. That is designed to create the right balance of comfort, warmth, things like durability, and of course fast drying, and that really don't stink. Uh, there are a lot of common materials to find in socks. Uh, really the best is wool. Wool is the most popular and the most tried and true hiking sock material, and it's highly recommended above all others. If, you, if any doubt, just buy wool and most wool socks are are uh blends of wool and synthetic materials for better durability merino wool is really quite fantastic now it doesn't itch it lasts and it tends not to be a smell uh they use polyester uh in some materials as well it dries quickly it wicks moisture nylon is another synthetic option that's not used very much but it can be used uh in in your sock a, lot, a big thing coming out now is spandex and many hiking socks include a small uh, percentage of that. It's elastic material that helps them hold their shape and keeps them from bunching up. But the best thing really uh, becomes wool. Uh, hikers and runners uh, often use the phrase that uh, cotton is rotten. And the reason they do that is because it absorbs and collects sweat and dries very slowly. And it facilitates blisters. This means that when they get wet, they stay wet. So you want to avoid cotton. Although cotton is good if you're just lounging around. It's not good for hiking or sports activities. Well, you can't talk about shoes uh, without talking about uh, blisters. Everyone has had a blister in their lifetime. Uh, You recognize them as these little pockets of fluid in between the upper layers of skin, but it's still under the epidermis. Um, These types uh, of blisters that are down deep uh, develop on the feet, when performing a lot of outdoor activities, they're really seen a lot in hikers and climbers and people who are uh, walking a lot. They can be filled with serum, plasma, blood. Sometimes they get full of pus, uh, depending upon how and where they're formed. Blisters and feet are formed by friction, which is formed by what is called the normal force. And if you remember your physics from when you studied it, the normal force is the force of touch. And it's equal to uh, mu times n. mu is the coefficient of friction, and n is the normal force. So if you want to reduce friction in your foot, you have to reduce mu by wearing an inner layer or you can rub um, uh, those ointments on your leg, which tend to reduce friction, and by wearing the proper shoe, which doesn't have a lo- which isn't pressing too hard on your foot to create a higher uh, uh, normal force. So what happens when you walk, uh, the shoe, if it's too tight, will increase the normal force and will cause these repeated shearing frictional forces uh, that causes a mechanical separation down by the stratum spinosum under the epidermis. Initially, it's just an empty space, but hydrostatic pressure fills the cleft with fluid, causing a blister to form. So the maximum possible magnitude of the frictional force is a function of the normal force it's pushing on it And mu, that is the static uh, coefficient of friction. Many successful uh, preventive strategies are aimed at reducing the coefficient of friction and also reducing the normal force. That's where the dual-layer socks where you can rub your feet uh, with uh, glide or these uh, lotions that reduce the uh, coefficient of friction and getting the shoe to fit properly will, will reduce the normal force. So keep that in mind friction blisters on the surface uh, usually form with a hot spot first. If one of these does form, you want to place one of those dual layer pads over that area, such as Blisterban. There's a lot of different ones. Blisterban was uh, one of the first ones uh, that came out. Uh, These uh, dual layer pads address the two causes of friction blisters, the coefficient of friction and the forces on the skin. The dual layer will allow the bandage to glide smoothly in all directions, deflecting friction and shear forces away from the skin. The key to preventing blisters is to reduce the hot spots by making sure that your uh, foot fits the shoe and reducing moisture by wearing wool socks. You can uh, treat a blister that is already formed by cutting a hole in moleskin uh, or duct tape and placing the ring around the blister. Uh, this will reduce the pressure placed on the blister. Uh, this should help reduce the pain too. It is not recommended to open drain blisters that are large. And when you're in the back country, you're going to have to make some critical decisions about whether you open or not. There's not, there's no uh, correct answer. It's really not clear. In general, if the blister is large, then it, then it's likely to rupture spontaneously, and you may be amenable to initial treatment by intentionally rupturing it and de-roofing it and clipping the skin around. However, there is no best answer to this issue. In those cases where it's large enough or it's already ruptured, wash the area and puncture the base of the blister with a sterile needle, uh, then debride the external flap of skin from the blister, put an antibiotic ointment, cover the skin uh, with a sterile dressing and bandage. And this can be protected with moleskin skin or mole foam. Hydrocolloid dressings can be used. Uh, I've actually had to cut the heel out of uh, people's shoes that are hiking because they've been rubbing on uh, that area and they can't hike any other way to get out. So you just have to sacrifice a shoe, which is totally unfortunate when you could have prevented it uh, by using these dual layer films, getting the right uh, mixture of socks and shoes that fit properly. This ends the uh, podcast on uh, foot care and on feet and on shoes. And again, thank you for listening.